Please open your Bible with me once again to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 4. Now this evening, we're returning to our study here, and we'll pick up where we left off in chapter 4. The Apostle Paul writes in verse 12, And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Now throughout the word of God, we see Abraham setting forth, rather we see the Lord setting forth Abraham as a shining example of God's sovereign grace and mercy to sinners in Christ. You see, the same way that God saved Abraham is the same way that he's going to save every one of his people. And that's by his grace and purpose through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the name Abraham is mentioned 250 times in the word of God. Indeed, the Lord sets forth Abraham as a pattern, an example of how God justifies sinners By his grace in Christ. And I'm talking about the only grace that the Word of God knows anything about, and that's sovereign grace. You see, our good and ready to forgive God said, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And so, beloved, it's not free will grace, it's not merited grace, rather, it's through God's sovereign grace that we're justified freely. And so, therefore, Abraham is held forth as an example, a pattern of God's saving grace to sinners in Christ. Again, Romans 4, verse 12. The father of circumcision, who was Abraham, to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. You see, Abraham is held forth as a pattern of how God saves sinners in Christ. Whether that believing sinner be a religious Jew or a pagan Gentile, those who are blessed to walk in the steps of that faith of our example and pattern, Abraham. So how did Abraham walk? Beloved, Abraham walked by faith. He believed God. And we read that in Romans chapter 4, verse 3. The apostle writes, For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him, reckoned unto him, imputed unto him for righteousness. And so those who are blessed to walk and live like Abraham, by God-given faith, both honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by believing him. Look at Romans 4, verse 20. Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. You see, saving faith honors God by believing him. Verse 21. And being fully persuaded that what God had promised, God was able also to perform all that he had promised. So you see, 
Abraham was given faith, being called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. The scriptures teach how that the just shall live by faith. And so, beloved, we walk by faith, not by sight. And like Abraham did, we look for a city whose builder and maker is Almighty God. Now, we know that Abraham was born just like us, dead in sin. And God called him out of his spiritual deadness, calling him out out of idolatry and giving him faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we know that, beloved? Because we have ears to hear our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, declaring. Indeed, God's word sets forth how that the Lord Jesus Christ said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. So how did Abraham see Christ's day? By the gift of faith, he believed God. And so Abraham was born just like us, dead in sin. And God called him out of idolatry, and God gave him faith in Christ. And that's true of everyone who has been blessed to believe the gospel. You see, we're blessed to believe the the gospel by God-given faith. Beloved, we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And we too, beloved, just like Abraham, rejoice to see the day of the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation in him alone. And so by God-given faith, we look to Christ for all of our salvation. Look at Romans chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise, the promise of God, who had promised before the world began, and beloved, he cannot lie, for it's impossible for God to lie. For the promise of God that he should be the heir of the world. Now, Paul is speaking here about being an heir of God and a joint heir in Christ, speaking of our spiritual inheritance. The apostle isn't referring here about inheriting a physical world, but rather a spiritual world, and every heavenly blessing in Christ. Our Lord said, My kingdom is not of this world. You see, beloved, His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. Again, verse 13. For the promise, or the covenant of God, that He should be the heir of the world, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. This covenant promise of every spiritual blessing in Christ was not to Abraham and the elect of God through the law. And we've already concluded that from our previous study, how that Abraham was justified apart from the law. He had already been justified in God's sight well over a decade before he was circumcised. And Paul presses the point, how that we're justified totally and freely by grace alone. It's not Christ plus what you do in your flesh, but rather justification by God's grace in Christ alone. And so Paul presses how that the promise of God was not to Abraham and the elect of God through the Levitical law of Moses, but through the righteousness of faith. Again, verse 13. For the promise, the covenant of God, that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Beloved, through the righteousness of faith, not of the law, 
but rather the righteousness of faith. Now, the promise set forth in the word of God that Abraham would be the heir of grace was not given to him through circumcision, nor through the law. You see, Abraham was justified 430 years before the law was given, well over 10 years before the sign of the circumcision was even given. You see, faith is the gift of God. And saving faith, my friend, only and ever looks to the Lord Jesus Christ, acknowledging the truth in him. Turn with me to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, and beginning there in verse 16. God's word declares in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Galatians 3, verse 29. And if you be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to what? The promise. The promise of God to save sinners in Christ. Look at verse 17. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance, and that's talking about the inheritance of grace, for if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by his promise, by his promise that he would save sinners in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, look back at Romans chapter 4. Verse 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world and every spiritual blessing in Christ was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Beloved, faith is not our righteousness. Rather, saving faith always and ever looks to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness. You see, faith is not our Savior. My faith didn't die for my sin. Indeed, saving faith doesn't look to faith. Rather, saving faith looks only and ever to Christ, for he's the only object of saving faith. You see, the righteousness of faith is not a theological position. Oh, no. Rather, the righteousness of faith is ever so blessedly a person. Christ Jesus the Lord, who is our righteousness. You see, in Christ, I have a perfect, justifying righteousness before God. And that's what the righteousness of faith confesses. It confesses that salvation is all of the Lord, and that salvation is only in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 13 and verse 38, the Apostle Paul put it this way, Acts 13 verse 38, 
Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, Christ Jesus the Lord, all them that believe are justified from all things which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. And so how many sinners were ever justified by the law? How many? Absolutely none. Not one. No, not one. Romans chapter 3, verse 19, God's word declares, We know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in God's sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. My friend, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. Beloved, we're not justified or sanctified by the law. For Christ is our justification, and Christ is our sanctification, and that's the righteousness of faith. You see, the righteousness of faith is the same thing as saying the righteousness of God, which is also the same thing as saying the righteousness of Christ. Because faith, the saving faith of God's elect, the faith that's the gift of God, always and ever looks unto the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't look inwardly. My friend, all you'll find, if you look there, if you look within, is a deep, dark well of reasons why God should justly send you to hell. And so we don't look inwardly. But rather, beloved, God-given faith always looks away from self and to our sovereign, successful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 4 Verse 14, the apostle continues here and he writes, for if, now take notice of that word, if, for if they which are of the law be heirs of salvation, then faith is made void and the promise of God to save sinners in Christ is made of none effect. Now, if salvation were by the deeds of the law, there would have been no need for the Lord Jesus Christ to come and satisfy the law and accomplish for us an eternal redemption and establish for us an everlasting righteousness. And so if salvation be by the deeds of the law, there would have been no need for the Lord to come. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul writes, There in verse 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness is by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Now that's a powerful declaration from the word of God. And so, for if they which are of the law be heirs, and Paul is referring here to the heirs of grace and salvation in Christ. If it's by the law, if salvation is by the law. It's not. It's not. But Paul is pressing the point here. If it is, then one, 
faith would be made void. Two, the promise of God would be made of none effect. And three, there would have been no need for the Lord Jesus Christ to come and give his life a redeeming ransom for his people. And so first of all, if salvation is by the law, and and know this, it's not. But if it was, that would make faith void and useless because we would have no object to look unto to be saved. God's word declares, speaking of Christ, look unto me. Now, it's important that you note this. God's word is declaring this, speaking of Christ. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Secondly, the promise of God to save sinners for Christ's sake would be made a none effect. And then thirdly, if that were true, then the Lord Jesus Christ would not have been commanded by our Heavenly Father to give his life to put away the sins of his people. I mean, if we can put away our sins by the deeds of the law, then he would not have been required to give his life. But we read in Scripture how that the blood of bulls and goats cannot put away our sins. We can't even do that through our best deeds. Now, what does put away our sins, beloved? Beloved, the blood of Christ cleanses us from all our sins. All of our sins, all of your sins, all of my sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. All right, Romans chapter 4, verse 15. Because the law worketh, Romans 4, verse 15. Because the law worketh, what's that word? Wrath. The law of God worketh wrath. Now for any man to say that he's going to obtain salvation by keeping the law of God, he just put himself under the curse of God. My friend, if you believe the rule of life of the believer is the law of God and not the law of faith, you just put yourself under the curse of God. If you think to yourself, well, I'm doing the law or I'm keeping the law or I'm seeking God by doing the law, you've just put yourself under the judgment and curse of everyone that seeks to justify themselves before God through the law. Galatians chapter 4 verse, rather, chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. God's word declares, there in the latter part, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So just how well do you have to do all things which are written in God's book? I mean, if you're trying to save yourself, you'll have to do them perfectly. My friend, God demands perfection, and he'll accept nothing less. And so why is it a curse? Because, my friend, the law worketh just one thing, just just one thing. God's judgment is. And I would like to add God's just judgment and condemnation. 
we read in Romans chapter 3, chapter, Romans chapter 3, verse 19. We know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. And here's what that law says, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. My friend, the law says one thing. You're guilty. I'm guilty. Every one of us is guilty outside of Christ. It's not God bless you in you. Rather, it's may God bless you in Christ. Now that's a lesson that's hard on the flesh, especially the flesh of the unbeliever. I mean, when you tell someone that they're guilty, they say, now hold on a minute. I'm not that bad. I've never held up a bank. I pay my bills. I'm kind to my neighbor. And you know, he thinks he merits salvation by what he's done. Or worse yet, by what he hasn't done. My friend, that's law. And the law worketh not salvation. Rather, the law works just one thing. God's just wrath and condemnation. Do you know what the fruit of the law is? Turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Here's what the law brings. It brings wrath, condemnation, and it brings death. Look at verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the motions or the passions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Now, if you want to go the way of the law, you'll never have life. You'll never have salvation. You see, the law brings forth fruit unto death, not fruit unto life. You see, fruit unto life is only found in one way, and that's Christ alone, who is the way, the truth, and the life. He declares, no one cometh unto the Father but by me. Look again at Romans chapter 4, verse 15. The law worketh wrath. Romans 4, verse 15. The law worketh wrath. The law worketh death. The law worketh condemnation. Beloved, the next time you talk to someone and they're seeking acceptance before God by the deeds of the law, Give them this word of warning, how that if God does not grant them repentance and faith, all they're working up and bringing forth will be fruit unto death. For the law worketh wrath. That's all it does. You see, the law doesn't remove sin. Rather, all it does is reveal it. And how in the light of Christ, it shows us we're sinners. But it most certainly does not remove our sin. Oh no, the law just reveals it. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Now, a lot of people think that believers are still under the law. Thank God that's not the case. You see, beloved, we're no longer under the law, but rather under grace. Look what it says there in Romans chapter 6, verse 14. God's word declares in Romans 
chapter 6, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. You see, grace brings righteousness and salvation, but the law brings judgment, wrath, and condemnation. Now, which way are you going? I don't want to go the way of Moses. I want to go the way of Christ. How about you? Praise God. Salvation is given unto us freely by His grace, the grace He purposed to give us and His beloved Son before we were born. My friend, the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, again, Romans 4, verse 15, For where no law is, there is no transgression. Now, consider this helpful illustration. The posted speed limit on the feeder road just behind me is 55 miles per hour. If you exceed that speed limit, you transgress that law. Now, hypothetically speaking, what if there was no posted speed limit for the feeder road? Well, you wouldn't be transgressing that law because there was no law to begin with. And this is what Paul is saying in the last part of verse 15. You see, where there is no law, there is no actual transgression against the law. Now, of course, Paul is using a hypothetical argument, because since God is everywhere, and everywhere is in God, God's law declares all men everywhere to be guilty for sin is the transgression of the holy law of God. But where there's no law, there's no transgression. You see, if the law had not been given, there would be no actual transgression or violation against it. But it was given to reveal the fact that we are all sinners before God. Turn to Romans chapter 7 and look there with me in verse 9. My friend, here's what the law of God does. It kills. You see, it's not an administration of life, but rather the law of God is an administration of death. Romans 7, verse 9, Paul writes, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. In effect, Paul is saying how that when he was Saul of Tarsus, he once thought he was justified by the doing of the law. He says, I was alive without the law once, or I once thought that way. But when the commandment came, sin revived and exposed the exceeding sinfulness of my sin, and I died. Paul writes in verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. And so, beloved, we're not justified by the deeds of the law. All the law does is reveal the fact that we're sinners. For in Adam, all die. In Adam, all are guilty and condemned outside of Christ. All right, Romans 4, verse 16. Therefore, Therefore, now that's a comprehensive word that points all the way back to what has been said before to make this blessed conclusion. 
Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Therefore, salvation is by God-given faith. Paul says very much the same thing in Romans chapter 3, verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. The book of Romans and the book of Galatians make it absolutely clear to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear how that salvation is by God's grace alone. Beloved, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Therefore, it is of faith. What is of faith? Beloved, righteousness, sanctification, and our redeeming justification. In a word, all of our salvation, all of it, is by the gift of God, the precious God-given faith of God's elect. Again, Romans 4, verse 16. Beloved, salvation is a faith that it might be by grace to the end or to this purpose that the promise of God, the promise of God to save sinners in Christ Jesus the Lord might be sure to all the seed. And this is what God promised Abraham. Indeed, it is the promise of of God to every one of his chosen people to the end that the promise might be what does that word say that it might be in doubt that the promise might be conditional oh no that it might be sure sadly in our day what most people preach is that promise of salvation conditioned upon what you do Beloved, our Lord didn't preach that. The apostles didn't preach that. Those called and sent of God to preach the gospel don't preach that. Indeed, the word of God doesn't preach that. And so to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. And who's that? All of God's elect. So to this expected end, the promise of God to save sinners in Christ might be certain and sure. I love what David said on his deathbed. We read it in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 5. And beloved, I trust you can enter into his comfort and confidence. David confessed as he looked to Christ for all of his salvation, although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant ordered in all things and sure for this is all my salvation and all my desire now if salvation were based upon what you do or don't do it could never be ordered in all things and it most certainly could not be sure could it I mean I might do pretty good one day in your eyes but before God None of us, no flesh, can be justified in his sight. You see, if salvation is conditioned upon the sinner, then you and I are in big trouble. But thanks being unto God, 
Salvation is not conditioned upon my performance, but rather is based upon his performance. The psalmist cries out, I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. Not some things, beloved, all things. My friend, he performs all things for me. Beloved, our salvation is always determined, dependent, and done by the Lord Jesus Christ. It is finished. (laughs) Beloved, we didn't have anything to do with it. He accomplished our salvation. For salvation is of the Lord. That's what this book teaches. And that's what gives both the sinner in the pew and this sinner behind the pulpit the sure hope of salvation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Look again at verse 16, Romans 4, verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. When Paul wrote to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, the apostle reminds the young pastor as he sits down on his deathbed, or rather as he sits on death row waiting to be executed for the gospel, he writes, Timothy, don't be ashamed of me, nor of the gospel of Christ, for it's God who saved us and called us, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Our Lord Jesus Christ said this, This is the Father's will, he who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I shall lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Our Lord Jesus Christ is nothing, has nothing to do with this false Christ that's preached in, in false religion today. They preach a Christ that wants to save you, but can't unless you give him your permission. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he's a sovereign, successful Savior. He's not a failure. Every one of God's elect, he shall save them, and they must be saved. It's such a good thing to know. that our Lord Jesus Christ is the one whom the scripture sets forth as the one who cannot and shall not fail. How many times do we read in God's word how that, do you remember when the angel came to Joseph? He was very worried about his fiancee having been pregnant and they hadn't consummated their marriage. But the angel of the Lord came to Joseph and said, don't be afraid to take Mary for your wife for what's conceived in her womb is conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he might, maybe, save his people. (laughs) He shall save his people from their sins. It's only by God's grace, beloved, that we have such a refuge, such confidence, such rest. And I know it might be really hard to think about it. You know, we are flesh after all, to think about our death day. It's really not a death day, beloved. It's our day of departure. (laughs) And if you're trusting in him who has all power in heaven and in earth with all of your salvation, do you think he's going to fail? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so we've been studying 
this blessed book of Romans, and the apostle sets forth how that salvation is by grace alone, through Christ alone, through faith alone. By grace through the promise, to the end, the promise might be sure to all the elect of God. And not to that only, and I'm reading, I'm picking up here in Romans chapter 4, verse 16, the latter part there. The apostle continues to write, And not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is the faith of Abraham, who is the father or pattern or example of salvation by grace alone in Christ. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1, the apostle to the circumcision writes how the believing Gentile sinner has obtained like precious faith with the believing Jewish sinner through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Beloved, that by these exceeding great and precious promises, which are given unto us, we are made to be partakers of the divine holy nature of Christ, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. You see, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are made a new creation in Christ. Man is body, soul, and spirit. By nature, we are spiritually dead. But by God's regenerating power, God gives us, who were once dead spiritually, everlasting, never-ending life in Christ Jesus the Lord. Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. The apostle writes there, the last verse of chapter 3 of Galatians. And I'll use the apostle's words to say this, beloved. If ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Heirs of grace according to the promise of God to save sinners by, through, and in Christ Jesus, his darling son. Beloved, all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. My friend, if salvation depends upon you, what kind of record do you need? Well, you'll need a perfect record. Indeed, a record of a perfect performance of the law of God. And I can't meet that standard of God, and neither can you. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, if salvation depends upon the sinner's performance, if it depended upon the sinner's performance, it couldn't be certain and sure to anyone. But since salvation is determined and accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ, salvation that is of the Lord cannot fail. Our Lord declares the gospel of our salvation, declaring, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. That's the elect of God. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Beloved, the certain and sure salvation of God's elect in Christ is not founded upon circumcision. It's not based upon my pathetic performance of the law in no wise, but rather ever so blessedly 
it's based upon God's beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Both his blessed person and his finished saving work. His righteousness, his performance, not ours. Romans chapter 4. Verse 16. What a blessed conclusion. Therefore, our salvation is of faith, that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure. To you who believe on the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.